You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Toussaint. And that was a snippet of my daughter, Eliana Elise. And she's the reason why I've been a little ghost lately. But just in case you all are wondering, Eliana was born on Tuesday, October 23rd at 1.43 a.m., weighing 7 pounds, 4 ounces, measuring 21 inches. She is so beautiful. Monique and I are so glad to have her. If you want to see some pictures of her, um, you can check out my personal Instagram at Mr. Underscore Saved and Woke, all lowercase and all one word. But let's just get right to these after thoughts. So there are many reasons why this topic was so important. The topic, by the way, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm talking, these are the afterthoughts for... Episode 9, The Politics of Jesus, um, my conversation with Brian Best about Dr. Oberry Hendricks Jr.'s book, The Politics of Jesus. Um, like I said, there are so many reasons why this is important, particularly with the elections happening today. Um, I'm not sure when I'm, this, this episode is actually going to post, but today is November 6th, <clears throat> Election Day. Um, and the reason this is so important to understand the politics of our Savior is because it's important that we vote according to the politics of Jesus and not according to the politics of Republicans or or Democrats. Um, I'm sure, regardless of what you decide, um, a lot, I feel like a lot of times your our, our ballots might look, you know, might look really red or really blue, but regardless of who, of how the elections turn out, as believers, we need to hold the people that we vote for accountable. Accountable to what? Accountable to their, to their platform, accountable to, accountable to their talking points? No, not to either of those things. We need to hold them accountable to the word of God and to the standard of righteousness that... Jesus laid out for us and that the Holy Spirit is actively informing us of. So yeah, we can't get too caught up in political ideology and get so excited. A lot of people are looking forward to Democrats, you know, taking back control. And a lot of people are looking forward to Republicans just um, hampering down on the control that they already have. And in government, but we shouldn't really be motivated or too hype about any of those things because without Christ, without Holy Spirit-led leaders, um, things are not going to end up good. They're not going to end up in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And if they're not pleasing to the Lord, then we shouldn't be pleased by them either. So that's why this episode, this topic, and that book is so great. So now I'm going to go and give you all the rest of my afterthoughts about the rest of what Ant and I talked about. So one of the first things I talked about was this section of the book called How Jesus Became Meek and Mild. And I want to get into those two words, meek and mild. So 
One of them is actually a description of Jesus that is biblical, and the other one is not. The one that comes from the Bible is meek. Not only is Jesus meek, but Christians are also encouraged to be meek. So to, and when I say meek, I'm talking about being gentle, not being boisterous, and not trying to get your own way or attract attention to yourselfs, yourself um, for selfish means or just for the sake of getting attention. Um, Whenever we are, you know, speaking, especially in the, in the public square, we should be speaking in a way that draws attention to our Heavenly Father, that draws attention to righteousness or that elevates the experience or elevate or amplifies the voice of the poor, the oppressed and the outcast so that they can receive the justice that... God wants for them. And this whole mild thing is just completely fabricated and made up. So when I think of mild, I was going to look up uh, this whole definition of meek and mild, but that takes time. And as a new father who is still in grad school and still has, even though I took I took two weeks off and I, these papers ain't waiting for nobody. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to look up the definition, but how I think of it is in terms of the definition of mild. Um, I just think of the descriptions of superheroes, alter egos, and a lot of them are mild mannered. So like the most popular one, Superman's alter ego of Clark Kent is described as a mild mannered reporter all right mild mannered means that you know he is not the confident crime fighting superpowered alien (laughs) um but he is a really easily he's like he's a pushover basically that's what it means to be mild means you're a pushover and as Believers, well, if you know the, if you read the Bible, you know Jesus was not a pushover in any sense of the word. Um, so he was, he was not very, he was not a mild, he was not mild, he was not a mild. His his sermons were were not mild in their in their tone or in their meshes. Like the disciples, even they were like, "Wow, Jesus!" Like when they when Je- when Jesus said that. The only way to be born again was, or to enter the kingdom of heaven was to drink his blood and eat his flesh. The disciples were like, whoa, Jesus, um, that's a, that's a hard saying. Like that was a, that was a hard drink. As my, my pastor likes to say, um, he was given to him straight, no chaser. So that is not mild in the least sense. And I think it's crazy because I've heard Jesus being described as Mickey Mouse so long for so long that I actually thought it was biblical. Like I thought that that was a biblical description of who he is. But Jesus, although Jesus was meek, and he was not trying to gain attention to himself, um, he was all everything he did. He was saying like, well, he was just redirecting to the Father. So if you've seen me, then you've seen my Father. I do nothing in and of myself, but only what my Father tells me is what I tell you. And so he was redirecting all attention to the one who deserves it, which is uh, Father God. So that's what biblical, spirit-led meekness is. 
and which actually it really takes a lot of boldness it takes humility to do that um and to be mild to be to be a pushover no Jesus was not that he was not a pushover when he flipped the tables in in the synagogue he did not he was not a pushover when he was confronting the Pharisees straight up face to face and telling them that they were hypocrites telling and calling them vipers he was not mild when he would when he refused to let a woman be stoned just because she was caught in the act of adultery. You know, he stood his ground. He was bold. He was basically outright sensational. It's, it's hard for me right now to just to find the words to describe him. But he was anything but mild. He was anything but a pushover. Um, and he was anything but but submissive. He was submissive to where he needed to be. He was submissive to his father, to the spirit, and that's it. But when it came to the socio-political establishment, he was not submitting to that at all. And we as believers should not submit to what we know to be wrong either. Uh, next. What is my next point? Oh, here it is. So one thing I really love is how the book goes back, like all the way back to the first century church, long before the Bible as we know it was ever compiled. And even in its explanation of how Jesus became meek and mild, because from the episode, if you listen to it, you know that part of the reason was actually, I feel like pretty innocent. Like the early Christians were just trying to reconcile their belief in Christ with the fact that they know he was killed by the Romans. And so they just came up with, or they rationalized, well, you know what? That's just how we, I guess that's what Jesus wants us to act like. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to just take whatever society throws at us and be mild. Um, and the reason they thought that was because they didn't have the the gospels written and accessible to them. They didn't have the writings of Paul um, that clearly outlines that um, Jesus, that the crucifixion of Christ was his plan from the beginning. They thought it was just something that happened and he was just like, okay, yeah, I'll let this happen. But that's not what it was at all. Um, and I just thought it was cool that, that um, Dr. Hendricks went back, went back that far. Another thing I really appreciated was how Ant went into the Constantinian Empire's effects on Christianity, what he actually referred to as the Constantinian captivity. And the reason I'm glad he brought that up is because so many people, well, a lot of super woke people will cite the Constantinian Empire as one of their main... Sorry if you can hear my my baby crying in the background, by the way. Um, as one of their main reasons for saying that Christianity is a white man's religion because Constantine, who was Roman Empire, and therefore European and probably mostly white. Um, but uh, Christianity had already was already a thing long before Constantine got his hands on it. And uh, the Jew 3 Project actually has an episode about the formation of the Council of Nicaea, which is another thing that super, which is something that um, Constantine called um, and organized 
um, which is another thing that super woke people like to cite as a validation of claims that Christianity was created by the Roman Empire. Um, I, I actually, you know what? <laughs> One thing I would just realize, like, if Rome was going to create a religion, why wouldn't they create a savior that was Roman? Because Rome is not painted in a very favorable light in the New Testament. Anyway, I digress. Uh, continuing on with afterthoughts, uh, Ant brought up uh, this another topic called benign neglect, which basically refers, which is, uh, I guess, one of the tenets, so to speak, of classical conservatism or conservative thought. And benign neglect is basically how... I guess a pure conservative would approach the suffering or the experience of the poor, marginalized, less fortunate, and disenfranchised. And basically, it's pretty self-explanatory. Benign neglect means like you don't hold any ill will towards those people, but you're not going to do anything to help them. Basically, um, with the belief that it's in society's best interest and their best interest for them to just pick themselves up by the bootstraps and do the best they can um, to sink or swim. But that idea is completely anti-Christ in nature because Jesus explicitly commands us to remember the poor. And in Matthew 25, he says that when you don't do good to the poor, you don't do good to him. And he goes as far as to characterize himself as those people who are what he calls the least of these. So this is Matthew 25 and 34. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And again, so starting at verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Continues on verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. Again, that's Matthew 25, 34 through 45. And I don't think it gets much plainer than that. And for those people who like to say that, oh, when Jesus talks about poverty or being poor, he's talking about those who are like spiritually poor, or spiritually sick or spiritually in bondage. Well, you know what? I'm not saying that those weren't included, but he was definitely also talking about people who were naturally poor and naturally sick. Like Jesus, he naturally heals people. He he physically healed people who were physically sick. Like, yes, he was definitely um, in, in Luke 4 and 18. He doesn't talk about 
when he talks about like um the spirit of the Lord is upon me to you know what why don't I just read it <laughs> instead of trying to bumble through it it says one second bear with me y'all thank you for rocking with your boy MSW and my slow laptop so yeah and Luke four eighteen. He says, or Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And one thing he doesn't actually mention is physical sickness, which uh, my pastor recently or fairly recently pointed out to me, which kind of blew my mind. Um, So he's not talking. He doesn't mention physical sickness, but he definitely and so I feel like a lot of people use things like that to kind of say, well, he was talking about spiritual poverty. And I was like, well, no, um, because let's look in. If you look, if you consider the Old Testament and particularly the state of Israel and the book of Exodus, they were enslaved, like they were actually poor. They were actually enslaved. They were physically oppressed. They were politically oppressed. They were being physically beaten. Like there was, they were, uh, yep, I'm sure probably spiritually bound and oppressed as well. But they were definitely, definitely naturally, like some some natural, some natural oppression going on. And God was clearly against it. He wanted his people free, not just free to make a personal decision to believe in him. He wanted them out of their physical chains, out of their physical bondage. He wanted he wanted them to be completely and and totally free. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't allow people to over spiritualize the suffering of others or try to say that oh that that that's not what God doesn't care about actual poverty. He's talking about spiritual poverty, and he definitely is. He definitely is concerned with that. People who are poor in spirit. Um, but he's also concerned with people who have and groups who have been forced to be poor and who are made to be poor based off of the organization of human society. So, yeah, next point. One of the main things that I really appreciated and I said I appreciated in the last episode was how Dr. Hendricks was equally critical of all political ideologies um, and that just goes to show the fact that we must transcend what the world gives us. And by the world, I mean anything that's not explicitly in line with the kingdom. Um, so like in America, we are, there are other options, but mainly we get two. You can be conservative or you can be liberal. But we must transcend that and pick that third option, which is like, no. We're going to like, are you are you with us? Are you with them? And it kind of reminds me of that. It's in Joshua. I, can't, I don't remember exactly where, but Joshua sees the angel. And let me see if I can find that too. Basically, Joshua sees the angel and he asks. Um, it's clear that that angel is clearly like one of those warring angels. Um Oh, yeah, here it is. It's in Joshua 5 and 13. I love this. This is a very saved and woke scripture right here. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front 
of him with a, with sword in hand. This man was about business. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Mm. So we shouldn't be on either side. We should be on the side of the Lord. That's the point of that book. And that's the point of this show, really. Um, because truly, you can be, I mean, you can be either liberal or conservative and still please God as long as you are guided by the Spirit, as long as your true allegiance is the kingdom. Like You can stand for the liberal provision of social services for the masses while still upholding God's moral and spiritual ethics and standards for righteousness. You can be politically conservative and still stand for equal treatment and equal access to opportunity for for all those for in your country and with everything that we do we must be guided by the spirit if conservative ideology or liberal ideology is your main guide then you're going to eventually be off you're not going to be pleasing to the lord you have to in order to please god you have to be led by him period um so those are all of my afterthoughts. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ant. Um, we did talk about how this was going to be on YouTube, but like I said, because of things with school and now my daughter, it's delayed me getting this episode up on YouTube. So I really appreciate you all's patience with that, especially Ant, because he was really excited about it being on YouTube and I'm sure his friends were, Laura, are still looking out for it on YouTube. But I will let, let you all know um, to keep to... To get updates on things like this, um, new episodes and video postings or YouTube postings of uh, past episodes, keep up with the show at on Instagram at Saved and Woke and with me as well at Mr. Underscore Saved and Woke. Um, it, the, the last thing I said was that the next episode, the next full episode uh, was going to be which is going to be the finale, was going to be the part two of that discussion, which we go into more, in which we were planning on going into more detail. That um, that has changed as well. There's, there still is going to be a part two, but it's just not going to be the next episode. Um, my, the next episode will more than likely be a conversation with or between D and I. And I think it's, well, I'm, Confident that it's going to be a really, really good conversation. One worthy of being the season finale of season two. Uh, and I can't believe that it's already come to this. Thank you all so much for rocking with us this long. Um, especially those of you who have been listening since season one of the podcast. Thank you all so, so much. And until next time, keep the faith and stay woke. Well.